Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. As always, alongside me is fellow Pensburg contributor and my co-host of the Pensburg Podcast, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how have you been since last week's episode? I can't complain too much, Garrett. Uh, a little wet here in beautiful Johnstown, Pennsylvania today, but um, I guess this week we at least have some wins to talk about, so... Uh, no matter what else happens, uh, that way it's at least looking up. Uh, yeah, the same thing's happening to me in Bethel Park, just south of Pittsburgh. It has been disgusting all day, but what hasn't been disgusting is uh, the Penguins' recent performance on the ice. Most recently, the Penguins uh, completed the comeback uh, and defeated the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I believe that was the last game. Let me check the schedule real quick. Yeah, you're right. All right, yeah. They uh, won 5-4 to four over the Vancouver Canucks in a crazy back-and-forth affair. Um, and before that, they won 4-1 to one against the Arizona Coyotes on Sunday, January 8th. So the Penguins get off the losing streak, the six-game losing streak they were on, and respond with two regulation wins in a row before they go and face the Winnipeg Jets on what will be Friday the 13th. Um, but so the Penguins have, Robbie, they've, they've gotten off this this most recent slump of theirs, and uh, the person or the topic that I'd like to talk about this week is one player in particular, and that's a player that has rebounded quite nicely. That player is Jason Zucker. And you've talked about Jason Zucker in the past, and you've described him as a very dynamic and rugged presence in the top six. He's a very uh, bring 110% kind of player, and he, he's very physical for the kind of offense that he produces. And so with Jason Zucker finally being healthy, it looks like the Penguins are finally getting that player that they've wanted since they traded for him from the Minnesota Wild during the Jim Rutherford regime. So... Uh, he's producing as one of the team's top forwards, quite frankly. He has 10 goals and 26 points. He's a plus four 
in 36 games played. So the reason I want to talk about Jason Zucker this week is because of this production. Uh, the Penguins haven't gotten a lot of it, and they haven't gotten it consistently. And given his current $5.5 million cap hit, he's on an expiring contract. He'll be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. But the fact that the Penguins don't really have a lot of quality depth uh, in the top six or the bottom six, I mean, their starters, they're great. And their starters have been carrying themselves through the majority of these games. Crosby, Gensel, Malkin, Zucker, uh, Raquel, they've all been healthy and they've all been carrying this team to where they are right now. But given the lack of depth on this team, how likely would you, if you were Ron Hextall, think about extending Jason Zucker or on the flip side, maybe try and go to the potentially younger slash cheaper route? Right now, uh, at last look, Pittsburgh will have an estimated $20 million of salary cap space at this season's end before offering contract extensions to any of their uh, any of their free agents. So, Robbie, looking at Jason Zucker and his production this season, his production in a Penguins uniform, would you extend Jason Zucker because he's 30 years old? Any extension means you're probably going to get the twilight years of his career like you're doing with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin and such. So would you extend Jason Zucker or potentially try and get younger slash faster slash maybe cheaper in hopes of replacing that production somewhere else? Yeah, I think it, the Jason Zucker case is an extremely unique case, and it's going to be one uh, that everybody's going to be keeping their eye on, uh, especially in Pittsburgh, because he presents such a kind of conundrum for the Penguins. Uh, this year, relatively healthy, knock on wood. Yeah, he did miss a couple games, though it did look like he was going to miss more uh, uh, in December, but he came back uh, pretty quickly. And for the most part, been in the lineup and been in fact and been effective uh, this season. We saw in the playoffs last year just what he can bring to the team when he's in the lineup, and what he brings to the team is that effort with some goal scoring. The one thing you know, every time Jason Zucker's on the ice, you're going to get 110. percent I don't recall a game in Pittsburgh where he's taken uh, a night off or even a shift off. He is. Uh, pedal the metal uh, the entire time he's on the ice. And that's exactly what the Penguins need. And what he does does really fit so well into the system that Mike Sullivan wants to play. So I, I think that if you're listing your options, your top option right now is extend Jason Zucker. And you do so at, obviously, you have to make the price work. And a team-friendly price, I don't know exactly what that number is. I don't know if he's going to score enough that he's going to completely – outprice himself uh, from Pittsburgh. It just, I think if you look at everything he does, he has to be a guy that is a priority this offseason. Or if you even want to maybe work on a deal now, it you never know if that door is open right now or if you're going to have to wait to the offseason. But I think that Jason Zucker, and not just for the offense, obviously he does chip in enough offense will probably be around 20 goals, which I think is suffices uh, not quite a career high, but probably more in line with uh, what a guy like him, what to expect out of a guy like him. But I just think that he does so much and he fits so well into the system uh, more so than about anybody else that um, is on the market and the market, it's going to be hot again. I mean, guys are going to be demanding 
um, big bucks uh, as a free agent come July. And I just think that, I mean, looking at exactly what is going to be out there, Jason Zucker, if you can get the deal done before free agency, maybe you get a little bit more of a bargain before other teams start uh, making the phone ring and offering him more than what the Penguins can. I think you absolutely have to look at extending him. And again, maybe there's other moves this offseason where you can offset uh, that cap hit in the end with uh, maybe a guy like Kasperi Kapanen has moved out of town. Brian Dumoulin is coming off the books. Uh, a lot that can be done to kind of mitigate any potential impact of, of, of any kind of contract extension for Jason Zucker. But I really think that if you look at his body of work and what he's done this year, uh, the offense has been plenty, plenty fine for what you expect out of a guy like Jason Zucker, but it's more the effort he gives, the absolute pain in the rear that he is to other teams. He's 110% the entire time, like you said. He's full bore. He's full tilt every time he's on the ice. And again, yeah, the injuries have to. You have to factor that in. Luckily, so far this year, the the detrimental injury hasn't. Uh, affected Zucker if that would have happened if that injury in December would have been having him still out of lineup today then we're having a completely different conversation but every time he's on the ice this year for the Penguins he's been a contributing factor he's a pest to play against and he's not a dirty pest he's just he's so good on the forecheck he drives teams crazy he's relentless he is fast and he really is something that the type of player that fits so well into the, the Mike Sullivan system in Pittsburgh that if you weigh all your options of what could or will be available this summer, I think the best route right now is to try to bring back Jason Zucker, find a contract that works for both sides, because once that market opens, it's going to be a heck of a lot harder to bring in a Zucker type player for the right price than what I think you can get Jason Zucker for uh, right now. So if I'm weighing my options my option one is uh, bring Jason Zucker back Two, then I guess would be uh, look at the market or look at the trade market to see what is available. And the third option would be to replace with them within the system. I just don't think the Penguins have uh, those horses to do uh, in the system, what Jason Zucker does at the NHL level. So um, looking at it, I would not be mad if Ron Hextall and Jason Zucker those two camps came together, hammered something out, and got Jason Zucker here for the next three or four years. Uh, and I think that they can definitely make the price work. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, if they can make the price work, I guess it's just a matter of waiting and seeing as we get closer to the offseason, uh, you know, what that contract might potentially look like. But uh, that's a question for Ron Hepstall, and that's a question for uh, for another time uh, as we get closer to the offseason, like I mentioned. 
Uh, so we'll switch gears now and go into the mailbag segment. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you're interested in contributing in this mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pensburg podcast Twitter account. Every week we'll send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. Uh, Robbie, as always, you'll get question number one. We have six questions this week. The uh, first question is from Brendan. I went to the Canada versus U.S. game. I have been to a Seahawks game in Seattle, a Blue Jays game in Toronto, and a Penguins versus a Carolina Hurricanes game in Carolina, and many a Moosehead game, including the um, Nate slash Jonathan Drouin years. Um, is he referring to – did Nathan McKinnon play his, uh, his junior hockey with the uh, Moosehead? Could be, uh, maybe. Uh, I uh, maybe I know. I know. Drew Ann is Jonathan Drew Ann, but uh, yeah, not a not a prospect expert there by any means. But continuing on, nothing has ever met that experience of Canada versus U.S. Um, this is a this is a two tweeter, so apologies if I if I lose. Uh, nothing will ever beat that experience. The whole crowd was one heartbeat. It was amazing. To add to the Canada slash U.S. game, one of the guys I wanted was Robbie. How do you pronounce this prospect's name? Is it Snuggerud? Uh, yeah, I think it's something. Yeah, Snug. I think it's Snuggerud. He was drafted by the the St. Louis Blues with like the twenty first pick in the twenty twenty two draft, I believe. Let me. T- uh, Brendan goes on to say, "Let me tell you, this kid did not disappoint as much as I didn't want him to succeed in that game. He has a big body, a powerful shot, and he's fast. He could easily play on Sid or Gino's line next year." And Brendan called it just a, a plain out miss, in, in in his opinion. Robbie, uh, I guess that's the the price you pay for having the success the Penguins have had. You you might not get a prospect like this, or maybe some of the other higher tier prospects. Yeah, so it what it Nathan McKinnon did play for the Halifax Moosehead, so that was um, who he was speak who he was speaking of there uh, in that in that question, and obviously um, Jonathan Duran as well. Uh, but yeah, I think people were really kind of underselling the. Owen Pickering selection. It's very, I mean, very, very early in this process. Uh, Snuggerud ready for next year. Oh boy, when you're picked twenty in the twenties of the uh, of the NHL draft, you have to be a really special player to be ready to make that jump that quick. Um, but this Canada USA game, I did watch, and yeah, it was just absolutely unhinged. Pretty much the entire, not quite as unhinged as the bronze medal game between the United States and Sweden. But this game definitely had just about everything in it. Um, two obviously continental rivals in the biggest junior hockey tournament in the world, and it was really just a fun show. So I mean, if you were able to be there, then um, that had to be an incredible experience, just because it had to be just an absolute madhouse. Um, obviously, Canada did did find a way to win, but yeah, just um, I, I don't want to call Pickering a miss yet, just because I mean it's been six months since he's been drafted. So it's really hard to kind of put anybody as uh, a hit or miss uh, on this draft yet, because I mean, most of these guys won't see the NHL for at least two or three years yet. So, um, but yeah, I mean, being able to go to that 
uh, semifinal game between the United States and Canada. It was crazy on TV. I can't imagine what it was like in person. Uh, number two from Brian. Um, I know this is a Penguins podcast, but this is a hot topic around Pittsburgh. Do you want nothing to sell the Pirates? I want nothing more than to see the team have success for longer than a few years. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I hate to say that I'm not a Pirates fan, but I'm really not. I've. I've. I've been. I've become disenfranchised, and I'm not going to be disillusioned by the the common. Oh, wait until 2024. Wait until 2026. Wait until 2028. Uh, I, I've been burned too many times by Bob Nutting to give him any more of my money, and I will not be doing it until. There is a new owner. I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know. I don't think there will be a new owner. I mean, Bob Nutting has to either be forced out through some contrived way that would require like an investigation into his misdeeds if he has any, or he would have to sell the team. And I don't think he's going to sell the team. I think he's going to pass it down into his family, into his uh, daughter's hands. I do believe. So maybe his daughters run the team differently than he does. But uh, yeah, I. I I'd love for the Pirates to be competitive in the summer so when the Penguins stop playing and the Steelers aren't playing, I have something sports-related to watch in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm going to Google right now what the Minnesota Twins just gave Carlos Correa. Uh, I think it was like... It was like $20 million or something, or $200 million or something yeah, like that. I mean... I, I, I find it hard to believe that Minnesota's market, because everyone always says the Pirates can't compete and small market teams can't compete. Uh, I have, I don't think Minnesota, the Minnesota Twins are a baseball hotbed. I mean, if the Minnesota Twins can give uh, uh, an elite player like Carlos Correa $200 million, there's no reason why the Pirates can't do something like that. It's because the Pirates don't want to do that. It's because Bob Nutting does not want to put his money into this team, and he doesn't want to really field a competitive baseball team. I, I fully 100% believe that. He's in, the, he's in the business of putting profit over competition on the baseball field, and I can't fault him for that, for running a business. That I mean, he's the owner, and I'm sitting here recording a podcast, so there's, there's definitely differences there for how he got to where he is, but... It's frustrating as a Pittsburgh fan because I'd love to see them compete. I remember I was in high school um, during the 2013 season when they finally broke the streak and got into the wild card game. And I remember watching it on TV. It was a raucous atmosphere, even watching it through my living room TV. And to have that on a more regular basis would be incredible. But I'm not holding my breath any longer. I don't think he's going to sell unless something crazy happens, which is a shame because I'd love to have a competitive baseball team here in the summer. I love PNC Park. I think PNC Park is a great ballpark, but I'm not just going to go there to watch uh, a below-average product just you know lose 6 nothing to the St. Louis Cardinals when I could just do that from my couch. Question number three for you, Robbie, comes from Brian. I know this is very unlikely and more wishful thinking than anything, but what if we somehow were able to re-sign Jason Zucker, Tristan Jari, and add David Pasternak in the offseason? I read the Pensburg blog where it said we should have around $20 million to spend, so it could be possible. I just think it would be cool to see Pasta and Gino on the same line. Well, I... I, I mean... Pasternak's gonna 
demand probably upwards of nine, ten million uh, a season, and they can't. Yeah, that would be just an absurd amount of money to tie up. And that's, I mean, that's not like obviously Pasternak is a all-world talent, and there's no like. I mean, if the Penguins had the opportunity to sign him, yeah, I'd be all for making it work somehow. I'm just, I mean, from a realistic standpoint, I I can't really put together how that would work. But um, moving on there, yeah, I mean. Just getting Zucker and Jari at a good price, I- I'll be happy with uh, this offseason or sometime um, before next season, whenever that may be. Uh, but Pasternak, I-, I just don't see Pasternak leaving Boston. I really think that it's just going to get to the point where y- Boston has to be realistic and look at um, what they have in him and just realize that they can't keep playing this game with him. They need to sign him to a long-term contract. He's probably, he's well, he's more than well-earned at this point. Obviously with Bergeron, the going to come off the books. Uh, yeah. They're going to have a lot of money. He's going to cost a lot of money, but you just don't get scoring like that. That just shows up. Like, I mean, you don't have guys just coming out of the draft outside of maybe a franchise player every couple years. That's being, that's able to produce, the goals like he is he's an all-world talent an all-world goal scorer and it when a guy like that falls to you you have to do everything in your power to kind of uh, make sure that he sticks uh in your franchise as long as possible because you just i mean you kind of look at the um i always kind of think of the tyler sagan situation and he just never really i mean he was pushed aside uh, out of Boston and went and flourished in Dallas. And it took Boston uh, a decent amount of time to kind of rebound from that. And um, they won that cup with him in his rookie season. But I mean, you had the emergence of guys like um, Marshand and stuff like that. But uh, the talent, a guy like Pasternak just doesn't uh, fall off the, fall off the tree. I mean, he's, he scored, he scored 40 goals last year. He has, uh, 48 in 2019 or 2019, 20. And that was within only 70 games. I mean, he probably hits, he easily cruises by 50. Um, if that, if the league doesn't shut down, uh, that year, he's just been, I mean, since he's coming to the league, um, he's never scored less than, uh, 30 goals in a full NHL season. His lowest goal total was last season or, uh, 21, 20, 2021, uh, the COVID shortened season of only 48 games. He scored 20 goals that year. Uh, but even that's a, a pretty ridiculous pace. He's uh, right around uh, another 35 plus goal season there. So a guy like pasta, I know I'm kind of getting off topic here a little bit with uh, him going to Pittsburgh, but I just think realistically the Boston has to kind of uh, stop pulling that chain around because eventually you're going to get burned. Even if he wants to remain in Boston, uh, you can only push a guy so far before uh, another team ponies up uh, the big money uh, and kind of um, makes a run for him. So, yeah, Boston, you got to kind of uh, get your head on straight there and uh, get him locked down. But in Pittsburgh, obviously, yeah, I mean, I would have loved Marshand in Pittsburgh when that was like a mini rumor, wishful thinking a couple years ago. But, yeah, Boston in Pittsburgh would be great. It would It would definitely keep the Penguins' window open. Uh, for a little bit longer, but I realistically, I don't see him leaving Boston, but uh, crazier things have happened. 
uh, Brendan, uh, with question number four, with almost no cash, what do you think, if anything, the Pe- Penguins do at the trade deadline? Ideally, they upgrade their third-line center. They either put Jeff Carter on a wing and get a more a better functioning, more mobile third-line center who can drive play and drive offense alongside Kapanen or Heinen. That would be my my first uh, my first line of business. I, I, and even Brendan said, with almost no cash, every, everyone is tied up against the salary cap right now. The Penguins are no exception. Uh, but at the same time, trades are still going to happen between now and the trade deadline. It's not like trades all of a sudden become taboo and no one's going to make any moves because there will be moves to be to be had. Uh, and, and rentals will go to championship contenders. And if the Penguins want to be in that group, I think they really do need to upgrade their their bottom six. That starts with moving Jeff Carter out of that third-line center role because we've talked about it ad nauseum here over the last month, month and a half. He, he just can't do it anymore. So that would be what I would want to do in a perfect world. We'll see if Ron Hextall is working the phones right now. I know he's receiving a lot of criticism even from national outlets and local outlets here. I know Josh Yoey recently published an article in The Athletic talking about Ron Hextall, his passive approach, his more reserved approach of not wanting to trade futures away or trade draft picks away. And, you know, that can work, but I think it can work in a rebuild. The Penguins want to do this kind of hyper-rebuild slash contend kind of double plan I don't know if it's really going to work, but going back to the original question, third line center, ideally they can swap Brian Dumoulin out. They can, I mean, I don't know if they will because Robbie, I know you've answered a couple of questions regarding Dumoulin in the mailbag. I mean, just knowing how general managers and coaches operate, they probably have a sense of respect and, and, you know, uh, that kind of thing because better, uh, Dumoulin is a veteran. He's a Stanley cup champion. So I don't think they're just going to toss him out on the street, but if I was running the team, it would be third line center and shipping Dumoulin off for, uh, a more mobile left-handed defenseman or another right-handed defenseman because they do have, a, seem to have a, a log jam on the left side. So maybe get another right-handed defenseman if you can. But that's wishful thinking. We'll actually see what comes to fruition between now and the trade deadline, if anything. Hopefully something happens. Hopefully Hextall can can work the phones and get an upgrade in that bottom six. Question number five comes from Brian. Great to hear the Penguins flew to Montreal to be with Chris Letang for his, uh, for his father's funeral. Just shows how close this group is, and hopefully they can build off their win over Arizona and get back on track. Do you actually think it's possible to have Alex Latang and Nikita Malkin be teammates on the Penguins someday in the future? If nothing else, that would be pretty cool. I'm yeah. I mean, they were. You saw the videos of them practicing, or I guess just going for a skate at the winter class or at the winter classic at Fenway park with their dads and with each other. Um, I mean, is it possible? Sure. I mean, again, there's a long, I mean, we talk about Owen Pickering being a long way off. We got a long way to think about um, Alex Tang and Nikita Malkin possibly being penguins in the future. And I mean, you never know if they're going to be um hockey players full-time growing up a lot a lot of that a lot of times that changes and 
Uh, talent doesn't always trickle down to generation to generation. They have pretty two pretty high bars uh, to live up to in uh, Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. Um, and then coming to Pittsburgh, there would be a ton of pressure uh, on those two. And obviously there's a lot that goes into all that with the draft and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, would it be cool? Obviously it would be. Uh, it's been fun to kind of watch um, Alec Letang and Nikita Malkin grow up. Nikita came around right around the um, – 2016 Stanley Cup and Alex was a few years before that and you had Alex at the at the all-star game with his dad uh, kind of taking over the show um, uh, there he was kind of like the main the main attraction answering questions at the press conference and just being uh, having fun like a uh, like a young kid does and um, yeah it's great to have I mean it's kind of crazy now that thinking back that when all this run started and stuff like that these guys like Latang and Malkin were just kids themselves basically uh coming to pittsburgh uh to play hockey and uh, now that they're raising kids and these kids are getting uh, into their uh kind of formative adolescent years uh so yeah it's been it's it's definitely fun to watch and it also i mean kind of bittersweet because you know that the good times are coming to an end uh with this generation but um having them in pittsburgh at some point would obviously be uh fitting uh but again yeah, a lot of that to work out, and um, but again, it's nice to think about the future, especially when um, the future is not that far off uh, for for this Penguins generation. So, um, and as for the win over Arizona, obviously, um, great to be back in the win column there, and then the whatever happened against the Canucks, that complete uh, unhinged chaos, uh, and then as for Chris Letang. Um, uh, being in the Penguins, just showing how close they are as a group, uh, that was undoubtedly led by guys like Malkin and Crosby, uh, who have been uh, with the tank basically literally his entire NHL career. Uh, and again, this kind of goes back to show this offseason how important all this was uh, to those guys to get uh, to come back to Pittsburgh and uh, finish out their careers here. Uh, last but not least uh, is, again, Brian. Uh, would you be in favor of moving Carter to Malkin's line and moving either Russ or Zucker to the third line with Heinen and Kapanen? Just trying to think of something to get life into that third line and add depth. Yeah, I guess at this point, what can you lose by experimenting? I, I, don't, know if I, I don't know if I'd put Carter on the second line. Maybe what I would do is... I think Danton Heinen has some center experience. Maybe put Heinen in the center position, put Carter on the right wing, and maybe put Kapanen on his off wing or put Carter on his off wing, whoever can play the off wing a little bit better. I, I don't know. I mean, you're you're trying to make chicken salad out of chicken, you know what, uh, <laughs> to, keep this, uh, to keep this PG. But, I, I mean, it goes back to the question that I answered just a little bit ago regarding the cap strap penguins and the trade deadline. Ideally, yes, ideally Carter can move to the wing. And, and what I would do, I would put him on the wing on the third line. I wouldn't move him up. I wouldn't mess with the top six at all. I'd keep the top six intact because if you want to win, if you want to have a chance to win any of these games, the top six is probably going to have to carry its fair share of offense because, I mean, that that's how weak I view the bottom six right now. So moving Carter to the wing, yes, I, I agree with that maybe again, maybe moving Heinen into the center position, maybe move Bluger up, maybe move Teddy Bluger up to the third line center role, maybe put Drew O'Connor as a fourth line center. I mean, 
these, these, those kinds of experimental roster moves, I don't know if Mike Sullivan would be in favor of in the middle of the season. Um, maybe the Penguins would have to go on another sort of long losing stretch to get really experimental and sh- try new combinations and that sort of thing. But yeah, to Brian's point, he's just trying to do what we're all trying to do at this point, And that's tr- just trying to get something to inject more life into the bottom six in that third line, because I- I'm of the mindset that if you can fix the bottom six, this is a very well-rounded team. Does it have its flaws? Yes, absolutely. This team is not perfect. And this team is not the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. That much is very much obvious. Uh, this team has its flaws. But if it can be fixed, if if the bottom six can get a little bit more depth to it and take some pressure off of those aging stars in the top six, there's no reason why they can't get hot in middle to late March, early April, and then make, make something of a little bit of an impressive run uh, in the twilight years of this era. So... Yeah, Brian, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to get some life into that bottom six and try and make this team as complete and as balanced as possible. At the, at the end of the day, that's just we're, what we're trying to do. So uh, the the clock is ticking. I don't know if Ron Hextall, if he is like Jim Rutherford in the sense that he likes... When Rutherford was here, he liked to make trades before the actual deadline day to try and get his players his newly acquired players adjusted to Pittsburgh and Mike Sullivan and his teammates and all that sort of thing. So we'll see if Ron Hextall makes any moves before the deadline. Hopefully he makes something. He does something instead of just sit on his hands and protect the first round pick. Because at this point, maybe there was an argument to be had to protect the first round pick. And there still could be. If the Penguins are in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, even if they have a very, very small percentage chance, uh, being in that sweepstakes is a lot better to have a chance at Bedard than not being in the sweepstakes at all. So it's kind of a delicate tightrope tight rope situation. Do you want to keep the? Do you want to keep the draft pick? If you're out of playoff position, do you want to keep the draft pick or trade the draft pick away for more depth uh, in the bottom six? But that's going to be a question that we address as we get closer and closer to the trading deadline. But until then, that will do it for this episode of the Pensburg Podcast. So uh, for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pensburg Podcast. And we will talk to all of you again this time next week. <laughs>